James Comey, Andrew McCabe, and Peter Strzok should be making license plates in prison. Instead, the FBI's equivalent of Mo, Larry, and Curly peddled books and cashed in on their lawlessness. Newly declassified documents show just how Russia managed to play these three stooges for the fools they are by feeding them ludicrous Russian disinformation against Donald Trump. But there's more to this sordid story. The Russia hoax was far worse than we ever thought. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Hello, everyone. I'm Greg Jarrett, and welcome to The Brief. For three years and in two best-selling books, I've argued that dishonest top officials at the FBI plotted and schemed to get Trump. They hated the man. They loathed his policies. So they weaponized their law enforcement powers to achieve their own personal and political desires. It was a malicious conspiracy to frame Donald Trump as a traitor to drive him from office. Along the way, they covered their tracks, claiming that everything they'd done was classified. No one was allowed to see their files. In other words, we're special people. How dare you even ask? If you continue to complain, we'll come after you too. And that's how bullies become tyrants. That's how freedom is destroyed. But the new leadership at the Department of Justice in the name of the Attorney General William Barr and a new Director of National Intelligence, John Radcliffe, were fed up with all the corruption and the cover-ups. They had the courage to open up the FBI's top-secret files, declassify the material, and expose it to the sunlight of truth. The curtain was pulled back on the abuse of power by the likes of James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, among others. All three, of course, were fired by the FBI, but the newly declassified documents show just how evil people can and will do evil things. Well, it's true that not all acts of egregious wrongdoing by public officials constitute felony crimes under the statutes. It'll be up to the U.S. Attorney John Durham to decide whether the evidence supports criminal indictments. I've long maintained there is more than sufficient evidence for prosecutions, abuse of power, violation of constitutional rights, perjury, fraud, conspiracy charges, to name just a few. These declassified records recently made public only reinforce that belief. In many ways, the Russia hoax was much worse than most people imagine. I'm willing to bet that Durham has even more incriminating evidence at his fingertips. We'll soon see because it appears he's closing in. The latest revelations come from two separate sets of declassified documents. In the first set, we learn that the crazy, absurd accusations against Trump in the infamous Steele dossier actually came from a suspected Russian spy. That's right. The Kremlin was feeding James Comey's FBI a load of fabricated stories designed to damage Trump. It was classic Russian disinformation. 
I suspected as much and wrote about it in my two books. I presented the evidence and connected the dots. I didn't know the exact name of the suspected Russian agent. We now know it was Igor Denchenko. But it was clear by the composition, the content of the dossier, that it was all phony Russian disinformation. In a nutshell, here's how it worked. Danchenko invented and disseminated a collection of false accusations against Trump to an ex-British spook by the name of Christopher Steele, who then wrote it down in a collection of memos known as the dossier. Steele was being paid to do it by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee. But Steele was also on the payroll of James Comey's FBI. Steele then massively embellished what Denchenko had told him. Then, on July 5th, 2016, the very day that Comey stood in front of television cameras and cleared Hillary Clinton of the crimes she surely committed in her email scandal, Comey's FBI was meeting secretly in London with Christopher Steele, who provided the dossier's contents that had come directly from Danchenko. Comey, McCabe, Strzok, and others at the FBI then exploited the dossier to target Trump, even though it was obvious to anyone with half a brain that it was all a fairy tale of Kremlin-sponsored disinformation. Some of it even came from Danchenko's drinking buddies. There was another guy whose name Danchenko didn't even know who just called him up on the phone and fed him some of the disinformation. The accusations were so preposterous on their face, they were laughable. You'd have to be a complete chowderhead to take them seriously, which is exactly why Democrats and the mainstream media did. Blinded by their hatred of Trump, they were anxious to drink the Kool-Aid of disinformation cooked up by Moscow. Reporters didn't bother to verify or corroborate any of it. They were happy to present the bogus allegations as gospel. It was media malpractice on steroids. As reporters spun their tale that Trump was a Russian mole, the FBI belatedly tracked down Christopher Steele's primary source and learned it was Danchenko a guy the FBI had long suspected of being a Russian agent trying to infiltrate the Obama administration. He was canoodling with Russian intelligence. He was deemed a national security threat. In simple terms, Denchenko was the last guy in the world you'd want to trust for information because all you get is disinformation. And that's what happened. The three stooges of the FBI didn't seem to care at all that their mendacious pursuit of Trump was based on a ghost story conjured up by a suspected Russian spy. Were Comey, McCabe, and Strzok gullible and stupid? Well, to some extent, maybe, but more likely, they were just plain devious. They thought they'd never get caught, so... Why not exploit and manipulate the Russia hoax to smear Trump with Kremlin disinformation and drive him from office? What's especially insidious and confounding is that Comey's FBI was incredibly adept at hiding the evidence that Trump was actually innocent. When in December of 2016, they confirmed their bogus evidence came from Danchenko, they could have stopped 
the entire collusion investigation in its tracks. They could have spared the nation a three-year-long nightmare. That would have been the honest thing to do. Instead, they continued to deceive the FISA court to carry out their illegally obtained warrant to spy on a former Trump campaign advisor, Carter Page, an innocent man. They escalated their unjustified investigation of Trump himself, and they willingly allowed the American people to go on believing that the president of the United States might have conspired with Russia to win the presidential election and was some kind of hidden Manchurian candidate. From their standpoint, why not maintain that illusion? It fit the media narrative like a glove. They, too, hated Donald Trump. They used the hoax as a cudgel to bludgeon the president on a daily basis in print and on television. Senator Lindsey Graham, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, says he's hopping mad and he's set to question James Comey. It makes me mad that the FBI knew that the primary subsource, a single individual, was a suspected Russian agent. They used that person's work product to get a warrant against an American citizen on four different occasions. They never informed the court of this exculpatory evidence. So there's some people tonight have to be very worried because now we know the FBI in December 2016 knew that the dossier was being prepared by a Russian agent. They never told the court, I hope this is a game changer. I hope that the traditional media, the mainstream media oh, will Senator, look at this abuse of power. Maybe that's- Don't bet on it. By the way, why did it take the FBI six months to determine that the nefarious Danchenko was Christopher Steele's source? Well, the answer is quite simple. Comey and his Confederates never thought Donald Trump would win the presidency, so why bother finding out? Remember, Steele had handed over to the FBI his dossier on July 5th, and he was already on the FBI's payroll as an informant, plus getting paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign. So all the FBI had to do was to ask their freelance employee, Steele, who gave him the information about Trump. They could have learned it was Danchenko on that very same day, July 5th. They would have instantly realized the dossier was Russian disinformation, spoon-fed to them by a man they believed was a Russian spy. End of story. The investigation of Trump would never have been launched three weeks later. The Russia hoax would never have gotten off the ground, and the landscape of Donald Trump's presidency would have been dramatically different. But Comey's FBI didn't care whether it was true or not, or whether the Russians were targeting Trump, not Clinton, with disinformation. You really can't make this up. Oh, I know what you're thinking. What about George Papadopoulos, another Trump advisor, hearing a rumor that the Russians had Hillary Clinton's emails? Was that the predicate for the FBI's investigation, as the Bureau has long claimed? No, not even close. It's not a crime to hear gossip or rumor or pass it along. It's not enough under federal regulations to launch a formal FBI investigation. Besides, the FBI disabused it almost immediately. The whole Papadopoulos story was always a clever ruse, a decoy invented by the FBI to cover up the real reason 
the Comey, McCabe, and Strzok opened their investigation of Donald Trump. It was the phony dossier. But wait, buckle up your seatbelts, brace for impact, because that's not all there is to this story of the declassified documents. The second set, just released, show that other FBI agents knew that Comey, McCabe, and Strzok were breaking every rule in the book. These agents knew their investigation was out of control. It was a train wreck waiting to happen. They feared the resulting injuries to the FBI would prove fatal. And in many ways, it has. The once vaunted Federal Bureau of Investigation is now widely distrusted and ridiculed. As all of this was happening, Special Agent William J. Barnett was watching Comey, McCabe, and Strzok commandeer the Trump-Russia investigation away from the agents in the Washington field office. Those agents had already concluded that the collusion probe was utterly devoid of any credible evidence. Barnett's FBI records state that it was based on nothing more than, quote, supposition upon supposition. In other words, it was junk evidence, which is no evidence at all. Barnett was assigned to lead the investigation into former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. But the agent quickly realized that the Flynn case was being engineered or manipulated as a way to damage Donald Trump. Flynn, whose life and livelihood were ruined, became expendable, collateral damage. Agents determined that there was no plausible case against him. He'd done nothing wrong. But the critical decision to move forward anyway was made by Andrew McCabe, who had a combative past relationship with Michael Flynn. It was payback time and an irresistible chance to harm Trump just days after he was sworn in. Later, Barnett was instructed to brief special counsel Robert Mueller's newly appointed team of partisans. During the first briefing, it became clear to Barnett that lawyer Jeannie Ray was, quote, obsessed with Flynn and Russia, and she had an agenda. No surprise there, since Ray had represented Hillary Clinton in her email scandal, defended the Clinton Foundation in a civil racketeering case, and donated to Clinton's presidential campaign. In other words, as a key member of Mueller's squad, Ray was in a powerful position to target the very person who had defeated the candidate she had supported and defended. Her conflict of interest was both disqualifying and shameful. But she wasn't alone. Most of the other members picked by Robert Mueller held the same anti-Trump prejudices. It was a setup. Barnett wrote in his reports that there was a conspicuous, quote, get Trump attitude in the special counsel's office. Evidence be damned. So Agent Barnett meticulously documented the bureaucratic malfeasance and how the legal process was being politicized. Barnett recently met with John Durham and spilled the beans. His documents corroborate how Trump was victimized by partisan zealots. They chased a specious Trump-Russia conspiracy that they knew never existed. Barnett's records and testimony are likely only one piece of the corruption puzzle, as John Durham unravels how rogue and lawless government actors manufactured a sham case against Trump 
shredding constitutional protections and, in my judgment, violating criminal statutes. Will indictments be rendered? Well, they should be. Only time will tell. But that time is rapidly approaching. If it does happen, here's a warning. The liberal mainstream media will claim that any criminal charges are nothing more than political persecutions, never recognizing in their abundant arrogance that it was Trump who was politically persecuted in the Russia farce for his entire presidency. Journalists, of course, were witting accessories. They drove with absolute conviction the false narrative. So they have a vested interest in now spinning it to protect themselves. After all, they won prestigious journalism awards for getting the story wrong. The story they should be covering now, they won't touch. A Senate report revealed that Joe Biden's son was making millions of dollars from Russia, Ukraine, and China by leveraging his father's name and influence while he was vice president. In other words, profiteering. Hunter Biden received a $3.5 million wire transfer of dirty money from a Russian oligarch in Moscow. Cash that was reportedly derived from embezzlement, fraud, money laundering, and human trafficking. Another $4 million went to Hunter Biden from a Ukrainian company, Burisma, where he sat on the board of directors at the same time that the company was pressing the United States to pressure Ukraine to shut down a corruption investigation of Burisma. Who applied the pressure? None other than Joe Biden. And he bragged about it. And I was going, supposed to announce that there's another billion dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) Got fired. Thanks to dear old dad, Hunter Biden the grifter got rich. It smacks of blatant influence peddling and corruption. So much so that the U.S. government at the time flagged the Biden deals as, quote, potential criminal activity. We were just following the money. We were looking at all these financial transactions that should raise all kinds of concerns throughout America and particularly in the mainstream media. So the question really is, Sean, is the mainstream media going to start asking and asking questions and demanding answers from the vice president? Well, take a look at the Bidens, the way they've been following the vice president around, hoovering up cash all around the world. I would think that represents pretty pretty strong potential conflict of interest, extortion, counterintelligence risks that we simply can't ignore. That's the concern. You know, the extortion threat here. And again, I'll I'll repeat, all the justification for the investigations of Donald Trump and his possibilities in Russia were always predicated on the fact that if he has those entanglements, just think of the blackmail that somebody could uh, uh, engage in against the president of the United States. Well, take what they were alleging that Donald Trump did, all false allegations, and then take that and look at the Biden family, and it's an order of magnitude worse. Many, many orders of magnitude worse. 
Senator Rand Paul wants the Justice Department to criminally investigate Hunter Biden. I think riding on Air Force Two and doing business is illegal. I think the law and probably a felony. I think it's illegal to take money from a, a Russian politician's wife, three and a half million dollars. Was it reported accurately? I think the only way to determine the actual legality of this is to have it referred to the Department of Justice. So I'm going to send the report over. I don't know if the whole committee will vote for it, but I'm sending the report uh, tomorrow to the Department of Justice, and we're asking for a criminal referral. We want to see that if there's a criminal investigation that's justified, here's this evidence, look at it, and then you're the lawyers for the government. You decide if you have enough to prosecute. But I think we should refer this for a criminal criminal investigation. Did the media report any of this? Of course not. ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN completely ignored the story. MSNBC mentioned it ever so briefly, but downplayed it. Let's move on. Nothing to see here was their attitude. Imagine if it was Trump, not Biden. There'd be nonstop coverage and the media would be demanding Trump's resignation and criminal prosecutions. The outrage would be deafening. But since it's Joe Biden, nothing but crickets from the mainstream media. They're not neutral or objective. They're now advocates and protectors of Biden and the Democrats. If we had a media that was fair, even just reasonable, this would be the biggest story for years and years and years then you'd really be entitled to real Pulitzer Prizes, not the fake committee that gives you these fake awards. Let's look at this another way. Joe Biden is running against President Trump's character and supposed corruption. So voters have every right to know whether it's Biden who's corrupt and lacking character. But those questions will never be asked by the liberal media. Even though they've been proven wrong, they continue to suggest that Trump is somehow a Russian asset. Incredibly, they turn to Comey, McCabe and Strzok to validate themselves. Do you still believe the president could be a Russian asset? I think it's possible. I think that's why we started our investigation. And I'm really anxious to see where Director Mueller concludes that. And let me just start with your theory of the case of why you believe... President Trump is compromised. Oh, good morning, Chuck. It's great to be here. Look, I think it is clear. I believed at the time in 2016, and I continue to believe that Donald Trump is compromised by the Russians. And when I say that, I mean that they hold leverage over him that makes him incapable of placing the national interest, the national security ahead of his own. Yeah, another important thing is the counterintelligence part of this work, which is what whether the Russians had leverage over the president, that would be part of the counterintelligence investigation. Mueller left that with the FBI. His document is about a prosecutor's look at whether there are crimes to be prosecuted. Do you think, do you think the Russians have leverage over President Trump? I don't know the answer to that. You think it's possible? Yes. So here's a question. Who in their right mind thinks these guys are remotely credible? Think about it. Comey was excoriated for his chronic misconduct in three separate reports by the inspector general who referred him for potential criminal prosecution. McCabe was fired for lying four times, including under oath, ditto on a criminal referral. And Peter Strzok was also canned for his disgraceful and profane text messages to his extramarital lover, FBI lawyer Lisa Page, violating a whole panoply of FBI rules. He was stripped of his security clearance, escorted from the building, 
with that same old smirk on his face that he always seems to have. There must be a new tradition at the FBI. Get yourself fired, then profit from your own wrongdoing by writing a book. All three of these guys did it. Strzok's book just came out. I scanned it. Not worth reading. Like Comey's and McCabe's, you can tell right away it's total garbage. On a radio show a few days ago, I was asked, who would be interested in reading anything by Peter Strzok? My response was pretty blunt. Only idiots and morons, I said. And there must be plenty of them. It was number six on the New York Times bestseller list in the first week. Go figure. The vainglorious, self-righteous, always smug James Comey must be tickled pink that liberal Hollywood turned his book into a two-part miniseries on Showtime. I didn't bother watching. If it's mindless rubbish you're looking for, there's always a rerun of Laverne and Shirley. That'd be better than a dramatic interpretation of the ultimate drama queen, James Comey. But like a bad penny, the Three Stooges keep showing up on television networks. Maybe the only way to get rid of them is to see them indicted, prosecuted, and sentenced. They deserve it. Just as Americans deserve the full truth about what they and others in government did. Laws were perverted or ignored. The law enforcers became the lawbreakers. They perpetrated the dirtiest political trick in American history. They abused their positions of power and betrayed the nation's trust. And they did it to destroy a president. It should never happen again. And that's the brief. By the way, you can read more about this in my latest book, Witch Hunt the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.